Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. Hello everyone. On top of today's episode, I wish to throw out a warning. I know the snow has come far too late this year due to climate change, but that doesn't mean we are free from the yearly snowy owl breeding season. That's right, it is now January, which means you should start preparing your reflective clothing now, as owls are out in full force trying to fatten up to make babies. If you are caught outside after dark without a light source or reflective vest, you may very well end up their next meal. For those of you risking a drive in any of the bad weather we are having, or have had, make sure you are prepared for a worst-case scenario. Prepare blankets, emergency rations, flashlights, and the like now, and store them in your car. Alright, on with the show. Welcome back everyone to Station 13. Happy belated New Year's. My name, if you've dared to forget, is Void Spectre, and I will be your host into the wild goings-on of our unique world. I hope all of you had a lovely holiday, if you partake, and that your gifts and familial love were plentiful. Speaking of you all, recently has come to my attention that many of my listeners are not from my lovely and abstract world. But fear not, I won't tell anyone. Hell, if you end up here, at least you'll be prepared. Though I don't think anyone would want to be isokeyed into this hot mess we've got going on. <laughs> I do sincerely apologize for the lateness of the show to start off the year. Unfortunately, my new year decided to hit me with two deaths in quick succession. And while they may not have affected me entirely, I still needed a moment to mourn. I hope you can understand. Now, I do have some business to square away at the beginning of this episode, so I might as well hop to it. Hollow Creek Neighborhood Watch has put out a warning about a missing 12-year-old girl. Her name is Macy Johnson, and it seems she was taken around 4 a.m. this morning, as she was spotted on the neighbor's security camera heading north with an obscured, shadowed figure. If you have any information regarding the missing child, please contact Hollow Creek HOA or the Jensen Police Department. It is suspected she was lured out of her home by a creature in the woods, and there is currently a search party being held. The Neighborhood Watch also wishes me to remind everyone to lock their doors and trash cans, as there is usually a rise of burglars and overeager trash gerblins around this time of year. With this all being said, it is unfortunately time once again for me to dig through Hollow Creek's dirty laundry. But today, I have made a little change to that system. Confessions are fun and all, but I asked everyone for a theme this time. Of course, that didn't produce too many results. The theme is animal mishaps. 
Though, don't worry, I did read through these first, so there isn't any heartbreaking ones. Let's hop to it. I had a run-in with some of the stray dogs the other day. I was terrified at first, when one started walking on two legs. Turns out it has simply learned that when it stands, people usually run screaming and drop their food. When it realized I had none, it dropped back to all fours and looked at me like I wasn't worth its time. This amused me, so I decided to start feeding them. It seems this earned their trust because I'm able to pet them now. I wonder if I could get them homes. Ah, a valiant idea. Though I hate to break it to you, but that pack of dogs, as you call them, are actually a pack of canine-like shadow beings. Yes, they are fluffy and very similar to the everyday pooch, but they can fully walk upright on two legs, and when they're angry, well, I guess I'll have to explore that in a cryptid corner next week. <laughs> Let's see what's next. I've come to realize that the trash goblins aren't looking too good in this bad weather, so I put some styrofoam homes out with the hay in them. I didn't really expect them to use them, but now I've got a whole family that huddles in one at night. It's hard to see with how dirty they are, but judging by the size of the clouds, I'm pretty sure there are at least two kits with them. I really hope they make it through the winter. Ah, that's so sweet of you. Okay, one more and that's all I have. It seems people are more nervous than expected to use the confessional box. I ran into the forest daddy last week. Look, I know the campgrounds are closed, but I was bird watching and wasn't paying attention to where I was going. While stumbling through the woods following a hawk to what I hoped was its nest, I found myself in an unusually small clearing with dense underbrush that hadn't been touched by snow yet. My pants had gotten caught on a branch, and as I bent down to free them, I saw a deer skull a few feet away. At first, I figured a deer had just thought this place a good resting ground, until it started moving, and the branch that snagged my ankle tightened around it. I don't really remember how I got out of there, because my heart was beating too fast to think, but all I can hope is it didn't follow me home. I hope the gods are on my side. Oh, geez Louise, that's... that's a tough one. Unfortunately, you may want to call a priest of Hades just to be safe, and probably inform the neighborhood watch just in case. Alright, with dirty laundry out of the way, let's hop to commercial and the news, and I'll see you in a moment. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, 
Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bright and shiny new year. For those of you just tuning in, I'm Garth Strongwater, here to bring you the news. For starters, I urge everyone to please be careful out there on the roads in these winter storms. They finally decided to show up right in the middle of January, of course. How lovely. In other news, it seems the results are in for Sovereign Reign of the Country, and it seems like Hot Pants has won. Due to the difficulty of saying his name, he has decided that he will go by George Henry as an ode to a time when we still had presidents. I would also like to inform the public that his name was G-R-G-H-L-K-R-M, which again, I don't know how to pronounce, and most listeners' ears refuse to comprehend when he said it himself. His husband and their daughter are very excited for him, and boy am I glad too. Glad to pay didn't win, that is. I don't think Chicago could handle the insanity if people were allowed to own cryptic beings. On another note, it seems the wolf population has taken it upon themselves to start culling the crypt population. Thankfully, eating the bones of the crypts has proven not to alter the wolves in any way other than a slight wagging of their tails. Now before I leave you, just a small reminder that camping in forests is still prohibited until the 7th of June. We've already reached the halfway point of the current record for missing campers this year, and I really don't wish to report on a new record, unless, of course, it's a record low. Alright, that's all I have for you folks. Until next time, back to you, Void. Thank you so much, Garth. I'm happy to hear that the wolves are taking matters into their own hands. And I'm also quite happy that George Henry won. We may actually be in for a calm few years ahead. Following that with more political news, Professor Bites has decided he will be running for governor of Wisconsin in the upcoming year. While I am confused as to how an almost normal badger could manage the government, I am sure he would do better than half the humans we elect. However, he is very close to 32 years old, which is already past the expected lifespan of the normal badger. But he can speak human, so quite frankly, all expectations are out the window. Getting back on with the main show, I know I owe you all a grand old apology for the episode being late, so I figured why not pull out one of my favorite holiday stories I've ever received. Mind you, this story is more of a novel than a short letter, so I hope you all enjoy it. With that said, let's get right to it. Hello, Void. I have a holiday story that might interest you, and a problem that I'm hoping you may have some advice for. Let me start this properly to explain the gravity of my situation. Every year my company hosts a holiday gift exchange. I suppose it's basically a secret Santa, but only about one-third of our staff celebrates Christmas. Anyway, after drawing names, it was the usual hustle and bustle of trying to sneakily find out what gift your chosen would most want. Though, with a spending limit of $20, the gift ideas were slim. Luckily, the name I had personally drawn was a good friend, so I knew exactly what to get her. But over the weeks that I listened to everyone trying to be subtle, I realized that no one seemed to be prodding me about things I like. 
Mistakenly, this led me to believe that a familiar co-worker had drawn my name. Though, now I realize I'd never get that lucky. To move this story forward, I suppose I can just skip to the gift exchange, where the real problem began. My company was gathered for the yearly holiday party, and all the gifts were set under the tree with their names embossed in silver marker. I won't deny that I did try and find my name, and with a bit of success, I might add, I had noticed a large box in the back with my name scrawled across it. The curiosity was eating at me, but luckily I didn't have to wait long. A couple hours and a couple drinks later, we all sat around in a circle and started passing out the gifts. I remember watching multiple coworkers' faces light up at the opening of their new winter gloves, gift cards, and books they've been meaning to read. Even my friend who had the present I got them opened at their feet seemed overjoyed by a certificate for the spa across town. And then it was my turn. You can imagine the eyes on me as the present at my feet was much bigger than it should have been, which, in hindsight, probably set me more on edge, as from what I could tell by looking around the room, this was not a gift from someone I knew. I considered taking it home to open, but as my coworkers grew impatient, they started sing-song chanting my name. This made me want to open it even less, but I reluctantly gave up, and as I tore off the wrapping paper, I felt something odd in my chest. By the time I had the paper removed and went to open the box that contained my gift, I could feel my heart beat through every joint in my body. My ears felt like they'd burst from the sound. The next thing I knew, I was no longer at the holiday party. Instead, I found myself waking up in a hospital room with my sister and her husband, half asleep, next to me. Apparently that night, which by that point was two nights ago, I had a heart attack and had been struggling with consciousness since. As a 38-year-old woman, I never even worried about this sort of thing, but I lay there in that hospital bed recounting the holiday party and what could have happened. When I was finally released, I was dropped back at home, and as I walked into my kitchen through the back entryway, I was greeted by the box containing my still-unknown gift, sitting half-open on the counter. As strange as that should have been, I waved it off too confused with the events that occurred to give it any thought. For three weeks, that box sat there, slipping my mind as I went about the days recovering and returning to work. That was until I was cornered by the gifter at work. Strange thing is, the person whom had supposedly drawn my name was not someone I had recognized, and quite frankly, working in HR, I should be aware of all the faces that surround me each day. I don't remember everything they said to me, or exactly what they looked like, but I do remember the simple phrase, It's getting restless. This phrase followed me throughout the day and radiated through my skull on the drive home. What was in that box? What was getting restless? The question had become so persistent in my brain that by the time I got home, I wasted no time rushing to the kitchen and leaning 
into the box. I don't know what I expected, honestly, but a book with what looked like a face on the cover wasn't even in the top five things I expected. What came as even more shocking was the second heart attack that hit shortly after. I don't even remember having it. I just remember waking up in the hospital again with my sister sitting there. Apparently, she had found me on the floor after her phone calls went unanswered. At that point, I had experienced two heart attacks in under 30 days, so the doctor rigged me up with an EKG. Prior to these events, I had been in decent health, so we were all baffled. This got me thinking and ruminating on the book. The book with a crypt's face on it. When I tell you that the book haunted my dreams and nightmares, I'm not being dramatic. I'd hear it chanting from the kitchen where I'd left it. I had been too scared to pick it up since the second hospital trip. I regret that now heavily, as when my sister, as kind as she is, tried to clear it off the counter and put the book on the shelf, she too had her first heart attack at 25. So I am sitting here, three days since my sister had her first heart attack, with a book in my kitchen sporting the face of a crypt, a book which I received from a coworker who, despite my best abilities, could not be found in our system. I'm still unsure what I did to receive this gift or how to remove it from my home safely, as one more heart attack is bound to be my last. Now, here's the real point of the letter. Do you know what this is? Is there any advice you could give me with this mess I've fallen into? Now, this letter is from about five years ago. I remember asking people about the strangest gift they'd ever received. The advice I gave on this will be the same advice I'd give now. The book this person received is called a Liber Captivitatis. Excuse my pronunciation. To put that in plain English, it means book of taking. These books are few and far between but could be compared to modern-day chain-mail emails, with real-life consequences, of course. When you receive the book, anytime you try and pick it up, your body will react by incapacitating you in whichever way it can, because simply touching this book to read or study it could drain your life. The one exception to this rule is if you are gifting it to someone, though I do believe the coworker mentioned was a thrall of the book and not a person. But I suppose I can get into that later. I had advised this person to gift the book to their local museum, but unfortunately I never got another letter from them, so I can only hope everything worked out. Unfortunately, I must now pass you off to the weather, as I have some very angry cats in the studio that demand their nightly sacrifice of premium wet cat food. Let's see what Misk has for us today. Hello everyone, Misk here again with your weather. I'm happy to be back from a little seasonal break. Unfortunately, I don't have great news for you today, as it looks like the Northwest is expecting another impressive snow dump, and Texas is looking at another freeze. 
Hell, even some of the notoriously unsnowy areas of California have seen snow in these past few weeks. Though I am happy to report our family dog is absolutely loving it, the little Sheba princess is entirely enamored by the snowflakes and is also refusing to come inside. To keep with the positives, it seems like the snow these last few weeks is perfect for sledding, so all of you with littles, go out and make those memories before they grow up and move out and fall out of your grasp forever. Alright, Boyd, back to you. I hope you're managing to stay warm. Uh, welcome back, Misk. It's wonderful to hear from you again. I'm glad to hear your family pet is loving the snow, and unfortunately I am very much not staying warm. It seems the studio is having trouble keeping warm. I blame the vines that have found their way into the magic pack in the back office. It's staying a steady 60 degrees, which I'd normally be thrilled with, but as I am suffering from a minor blood sugar issue, I find myself bundled up in quite a few blankets. Of course, that is still much better than the minus 7 that's waiting for me on the way home tonight. I am debating spending the night here, but Mr. Stubbs seems to be uncomfortable here currently. Poor dude is burrowed in the spare blankets, and I'm pretty sure he misses the bed in my spare bedroom. I just really don't want to go back outside. <laughs> anyway, I have another story for you all. This one's actually from my childhood, and I promise I'll tell it as accurately as I remember it. Shall we get started? This whole event took place when I was around eight years old. It was the first and last Christmas we had in our new home. My mother had moved us in over the summer and I had only been living there for a few months. So every single squeak and groan of the pipes would set me on edge. This probably irked my mother more than it lit on. But by mid-December, I was finally sleeping in my own bed. To her relief, I'm sure and not waking up at the slightest creaking of the wood floor. This, however, would prove to be detrimental, as my father had something up his sleeve for Christmas. I remember that Christmas Eve far too vividly, and while at the time I was confused and unable to piece things together, I can look back now and realize what was transpiring. The day started out rather normal. My mother had taken me to my paternal grandmother's to open presents, and we were having a wonderful time. That was until my mother and grandmother began chatting in the other room. We left shortly after that, and when we got home, my mother proceeded to put the house on lockdown. I was always confused as to why we had cameras on our front porch and by the entryways. I guess everything makes a lot more sense now. After the panic had worn off, my mother seemed back to her usual self and even plopped me on the couch with hot cocoa. I remember wishing she had stayed with me to watch Elf, but she had phone calls to make and was still working on Christmas dinner for the following day. While I don't recall passing out on the couch, I must have because the next part of my memory picks up just as the movie was ending. My mother was still on the phone in her office, and I distinctly remember waking up to the sound of heavy footsteps overhead. I'm assuming now 
as I did then, that my mother was too busy or frantic to hear them. You see, the most prominent feature of this one-story house was a beautiful fireplace, which I took quite the pleasure in decorating as we'd never had one before. I'm sure you can see where this is going. As the footsteps got louder, heading for the chimney, I ran to my mother and started tugging at her shirt. I couldn't hold back my joy, as I repeated, Santa's here! Santa is here! But I remember the look on her face when she finally heard me, and I recall how my stomach dropped when her face went pale. She ended her phone call swiftly with the last words being, He's here, before rushing out of the room with me hot on her heels. She begged me to go hide in my room, but I was just a kid, and I was still holding out hope that it was just Santa. When she heard the footsteps, she picked up the phone again and started dialing. Now, as an adult, I realized she was dialing 911, but as a kid, I was just confused. Why was Mother scared of Santa? Why was she calling someone? Though these thoughts were quickly overshadowed as the footsteps ended at the chimney and we could hear something climbing onto the top. Ash falling into the pit below. My mother sounded frantic over the phone as she pushed me back to the couch, still begging for me to go to my room while talking too fast for my brain to comprehend to the dispatch agent on the other end of her phone. Then I heard it, the skitter of something down the fireplace, the loud thump of whomever it was landing, and police sirens outside the door. I didn't see who it was that entered our home that night as my mother threw a blanket over me shortly before they fell. But now I am very aware that it was my father. Had I been a little older and over my fear of loud noises, I probably would have recognized his voice. But the screaming match and fight that I now know followed shortly after his entry was muffled by my hands over my ears. The rest of that night was mostly a blur, and when I woke up the next morning, I was in my grandmother's house, tucked safely away on her couch. My mother wasn't there for a while, and when she returned to make sure I was alright, she was sporting a broken arm. I think that's when I stopped believing in Santa Claus, now that I think about it. Why would Santa Claus break my mother's arm? I suppose hindsight is now in my favor as I look back at the time in my life. The only reason it was at the forefront of my mind today is that my mother found a letter a few days later, addressed to me. She kept it in case I ever wanted it in the future. While my father may be a genuine dirtbag in my eyes now, I was a daddy's girl. So with my past dug into, I figured I'd read that letter, live on air for everyone. I haven't even read it myself yet. I figured if I'm going to do psychic damage to myself, I might as well do it live for an audience. Make it worth my own while. Let's... Let's just fucking get to it. Void. I tried to see you on Christmas Eve. Though your mother fought tooth and nail to prevent that. I still curse the court for not giving you to your rightful parent. 
Without me, your mother wouldn't even have you. You think she'd be more grateful. I'm sure you were all excited to hear the footsteps on the roof and know your daddy was coming for you. I had even brought gifts. It's unfortunate that your harlot mother got in the way. She said you couldn't have them and made me take them with me when they carted me off. Void Bear, you should really start throwing a fuss so you can come live with me. I have so many presents waiting for you. Four for every missed birthday and six for every missed Christmas. I swear it's like a treasure trove. Your mother doesn't know what she's depriving you of. I swear I'll come get you, my little princess. She can't keep you from me forever. I'm planning on winning you back, so for now, just keep throwing fits and wait for me, my little princess. I can't ascend to the plane above without you by my side. Love, your papa. Ironically, they recently found the compound where my father was staying. And he wasn't lying when he said he had a treasure trove of gifts for me. According to the investigators, there were tents of things addressed to me. Some of the living cult members even begged them to bring me home. It seems my life will never not be infected by these parasites my father reared. One of them even claimed to be my god's chosen husband. Jokes on him, I'm already very much engaged. <sighs> Alright, I need a strong drink. So for now, let's head over to Cryptid Watch with Autumn and then I'll dive into a legendary holiday beast. Hello everyone. If you're new here, my name is Autumn, and this is Cryptid Watch. Last show, I briefly mentioned direwolves in England. Well, today I have some bad news. It seems the rabbits were unable to breed fast enough to appease the large wolves' hunger, and they are now panicking in Parliament as livestock deaths have skyrocketed. At this time, they are considering capturing some of the wolves to send to zoos across the world, kind of like China's panda program. But as of now, no country is willing to risk it. And why are they not willing to risk it? because scientists didn't properly do their research, and these wolves are now getting to about seven feet tall at the shoulders. I guess the only positive would be that the direwolves prefer to stay out of sight, for now, at least. In other Cryptid Watch news, the Deathclaw Godzilla-looking creature found in Japan has officially stopped growing, and has topped out at around 12 feet. At the moment, it's not hostile towards humans, but it is incredibly protective of the human that originally fed it. According to reports, it enjoys playing fetch and helping clear the alligator hybrids from the Japanese coast. Well, that's some relieving news anyway. But that's all for Cryptid Watch this week. Back to you, Void. Thank you, Autumn. It is so lovely to hear from my favorite sentient pile of leaves. Though I do hope you yourself are very far from those wolves. I cannot imagine it would be comfortable if they decided to use you as a bed. 
I'm also excited to hear that the creature found in Japan is, as of now, not violent. Let's just hope it can't asexually reproduce. I feel like that could cause quite the issue. Alright everyone, let's now jump to my little report on a holiday beastie. For the months of January and February, I will be covering holiday beasts from around the world. And for the first one, I figure who better to cover than Krampus. So let's hop to it. Krampus is a popular legend in Central Europe, where he is known as the companion to St. Nicholas. It is believed his origin is rooted in Germany, and his name, Krampus, is derived from the German word Krampen, which means claw. A very fitting name for the King of Christmas Fear. While it is believed Krampus originally started as a part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice, and that he was the son of Hel, the Norse god of the underworld, the widespread of Christianity decided to turn that on its head, despite the Catholic Church's attempt to ban him. In this day and age, the legend goes that Krampus and St. Nicholas pop up around the world on December 5th. While St. Nicholas fills stockings of all the well-behaved children, Krampus goes about doling out punishments on those who have been naughty. Lenient punishments are being beaten with sticks and branches, while the harsher ones are being dragged to hell or even being eaten. On December 6th, the children either wake to chocolate and goodies, or bruises that need tending. Quite frankly, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to run into that myself. Alright everyone, before I go, I have one last announcement for the entirety of the world. Breaking news, as some would call it. I have just received word via email from the USDPCA that there is currently an epidemic of sleepwalkers. One or two a town is a coincidence. Twenty plus is a pattern. They are currently urging people to sleep in shifts among their own households, as those that drift off into sleepwalking tend to find themselves awoken in the middle of the woods. It seems they are yet to determine if this is being caused by paranormal creatures, but the amount of those that never make it back home is reaching the thousands. So please be careful. If you live alone now, it may be the time to make friends. Well, folks, it is time I call it a day, and trudge home before it gets too cold. I hope you all have a wonderful night. By the way, it's 10pm. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you everyone for joining us again on Station 13. We appreciate the returning and new listeners alike. Now, quickly before I leave you all, I would like to give a special thanks to our staff. That includes Lyric, whom you can find under Lapcat Creations on most platforms, Rain, who can be found on the podcast Onward and Onward, and Rook, who voices Autumn, who is as ambiguous as their creation. Special thanks goes out to those on our Discord and Kate Gardner for reading our commercials. You can find her work at kgardnerbooks.com. If you'd like to join our Discord or find our various other social medias, please peruse the link tree in the show notes at your leisure. If you find yourself enjoying Station 13, I do recommend you try the podcast that helped inspire it all. 
dangerous times at Chilhaven High. They are currently on hiatus, and now would be the perfect time to binge their tales of adventure. Anywho, that's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you all next time on Station 13.